0: Lead Time is a weekly dose of leadership insights and interviews from Tim Allman and Jake Bessling. Lead Time is for any leader living in a busy world looking to be inspired, equipped, and empowered to lead others to their fullest potential. This is Lead Time.
1: Welcome to Lead Time. I pray you are having a spectacular day. Uh, We are in Gilbert, Arizona in March, and it is beautiful here. I pray that the beauty of Jesus is resonating in your hearts in powerful ways as you sit back. And actually lean in rather than sit back. We want you to lean in today to what Jesus has in store for us. Today we're talking about human desires and passions. The human liturgies or rhythms that either elevate our desires and loves connected to what God desires, Jake, or conversely elevates our desires and loves for what we uh, our flesh and this world says that we ought to desire. So my name is Tim Allman here with Jake. Jacob Besling. So, Jacob, as we talk about this, brother, uh, human desires. Think back to just your morning routine today. What did that routine look like? Yeah, I like to
0: wake up. I'm kind of nailing it at 5 o'clock in the morning. It's kind of my sweet spot. But I like to get about seven hours of sleep. Yep. Had uh, valley fever recently, and sleep is everything. So make sure you get enough sleep go to the restroom um, as I get older. The bladder is, you know, a little are you, tougher. Are you talking when you wake up in the morning? Yeah, this right This is what you away. do right away. Right, right away. away. Yeah, wake too. up, okay. go to the bathroom, uh, go downstairs. And my place to do my morning rhythm is actually a rocking chair. Mm-hmm. And so I love to sit in a rocking chair. I'm kind of an old soul in that way. I just grew up rocking, rocking my kids. And so sit there and I open up the Bible and uh, read uh, one psalm yeah. per day for the whole week. Read the same psalm that week. And so I'm in Psalm 119 right now and, and meditate on that. Try to make space to not do but be with God and have some silent time. And then um, do do some push-ups. Uh, I do 30 of them, and I count in Spanish oh. um, because I know a little bit of Spanish. So I want to try to keep up that every day, just a little bit of counting in Spanish. Um, and then uh, about three times a week, I'll move into a 10-minute a to a little longer run. It depends on the day. Um, You're working then, toward a marathon? Working toward a marathon on October, and so that'll kick in in June. And those morning rhythms will get um, even, even – most important that I have a habit down uh-huh. so that I am able to do all of that at the same time and adjust a little bit here or there. Um And yeah, drink a lot of water during the time. I now have found it helpful to take a water bottle with me and yeah. have that – have that throughout out. the day, throughout the day, yeah. a blue water bottle, 40 ounces, try to get 40 ounces in before about nine o'clock or so. Is that about right? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And so it's starting to become kind of second nature. This is what I do. And if I don't do it, it's kind of off and it's just,
1: this is how you do the morning. So you're kind of mindless in a sense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You just start you, placing like the water bottle uh-huh. next to the coffee area at night so that, you know, it's going to be there in the morning and then you just kind of wake up you get that. You know, kind of
1: train myself to the, to do some of those rhythms first, and then you get the coffee. The reason those—and we're going to use this phrase rather than maybe habits or even rhythms, but liturgies are so important. I've never heard that until we yeah. read, read some stuff on this, that yeah. it would be a liturgy. That it would wow. be a liturgy, a, a daily invitation uh, to encounter God, to be restored. We're going to talk about a lot of that today. And the reason you want these liturgies in your world is to give your brain a break— Because think about in the morning, I don't know about you, because I I write a lot in the morning, that is when my mind is the most awake, Mm -hmm. alive, I've got my body going. And so these habits, hopefully they're healthy habits or liturgies, uh, give me more creative space Mm -hmm. uh, to offer my best. Isn't that true? It's so true. Yeah, I find that. Yeah, before about 10 a.m. is the best time to write as well. So yeah. making that space, making that habit, and before you know it, it's second nature. Yeah. So you got a pretty solid early morning habit there, brother. You but do think too, about bro. think about some other places maybe mm. in our world, uh, and maybe our listeners are leaning into some of their unhealthy habits that compete with their healthy liturgies. Maybe it's scrolling on Facebook or Instagram, and you do that for like over an hour when you knew knew you were supposed to be getting a work project. Done. Done. Focus. But, Squirrel, yeah. yeah. Squirrel. Focus, yeah, exactly. Maybe it's binge watching Lost or some other amazing show. Maybe it's mindlessly getting on Amazon and <laughs> buying things that maybe you don't need. And let's be honest, we all have these competing liturgies. We're gonna use this language as well, and loves or desires in life. What following Jesus leads us to do is consistently acknowledge them, confess them, receive forgiveness for them, and ask the Holy Spirit for help to change them. This sets up our theme for today because often these liturgies are so ingrained in who we are that we can't even acknowledge these competing liturgies until someone lovingly, God willing, points them out to us and then gives us a larger vision for the healthy liturgies that could norm our days. Excellent. So today we're going to... We'd like
0: to give you five tips for learning to read and overcome the liturgies of this world. So to read them, understand them and overcome the liturgies of this world. Much of what we're going to share today has been adapted from a book. You got to check this out, buy it on Amazon, but don't buy it now. Focus on us. You are what you love. The spiritual power of habit by James K.A. Smith. You'll love it. Tip number one for overcoming the liturgies of this world is this acknowledging that your deepest desire is is the one manifested by your daily life and habits. All right, I'll say that again. It's acknowledging that your deepest desire is the one manifested by your daily life and habits. I mean, Jesus calls us to not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Our doing is meant to be habitual. Yet this is a struggle, isn't it? I mean, you can acknowledge that. We acknowledge with Paul as he struggled in Romans chapter seven, he records in the Bible in Romans, the good I, we desire and want to do is the exact opposite of what I keep on doing. Oh, this is, I had other words for that, but what (laughs) we don't want to do is exactly what we end up doing. We had good intentions, but intentions are really tough, as you know, to um, bring execution. I mean, who will save us from these uncontrolled desires? But thanks be to God, Paul says that through Jesus, he came, he died, he rose, and he gives us now. New life, this gift of salvation and forgiveness. And so you are a new creation in Christ today, and the Spirit then helps us have better liturgies in our life if we're open to them. Yet the transformational process, it does take time, of mm-hmm. course, especially when the liturgy of this world are so strong. I mean, they're pressing in on you everywhere you look, everything you see, um, every device that you're on. For example, I mean, we could talk about sacrificial generosity toward the mission of God. And we do a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's rooted in scripture and we talk, uh, and people, yeah, they kind of like nod their head and agree. And they actually do. I believe many people when confronted with what God, the God says about his resources, I mean, they want, we want to be more generous, but yet why does the generosity rate for most churches grow? Well, it doesn't grow. It goes slowly and incrementally. Um, down sometimes, um, or it just barely incrementally rises. Wouldn't Wouldn't it be cool if it's exponential growth? Uh, just Just instantly after you preach that sermon, many people may go home, put aside the word after you preach that sermon on generosity, and succumb to what is right in front of them. They succumb to the rival liturgies of fear. Of man, I. I want to do that, but I got to have enough in the 401k. I got to have enough in the Roth. I got to have enough in the savings, or I can't even do this because I'm I'm in over my head with debt. Maybe rationalizing how how, I just can't even trust this church, or maybe they, they need to speak to their financial advisor about ways to be more generous, but they never act. Um, to set up that appointment, it's so sad. Here's just one example. We could go off of this. We go off on this yep. topic of of forgiveness. Jesus forgives. We yearn to forgive, but we go home after hearing the word and still harbor the grudge against the person we should forgive. Oh, and we've not even touched on the liturgy of pornography, sexual sin. We could go on for that. But Christian, as we start this podcast, be honest and confess that our deepest desires are. What are manifested in our daily life and habit, it Mm. just keeps
1: happening. That's Mm. point number one. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful stuff there, Jake. Thanks so much for sharing. Tip two for reading liturgies in this world is realizing that love is like our second nature. Love has the power. I love what the apostle Paul says, first Corinthians, right? The greatest of these is love. You can understand everything else, but our hearts are called to be uh, directed. Our love directs and propels us. Love is under the radar of conscious awareness. It's kind of like breathing and blinking. And when we're using love here, we're not necessarily saying just love after the things of God, but just our love, also known as our desires for the things of this world. Therefore, our culture practices, as generally just mentioned, uh, liturgies that we do not do. You got to, you got to write this down. If there's one thing to write down is liturgies are, are not something that you do. Liturgies are done to you. Mm. Not something you do, but they're done to you. Yeah, think we on the world of doing I think That's it's right. to do all this, but it's going to be done to you. So stats back it up. Human beings are not thinking things. Uh, that are always on, who think through every action and make conscious decisions before ever doing anything, uh, stats have shown that 95% of what we do daily is habitual. Uh, for example, think about driving to work today. It's, uh, it's pretty much autopilot, so you can hopefully set a liturgy of talking to your kids. That's a great space if you're a parent for engaging your kids. You can listen, you could sing, you could strategize. A fun little side note is I never learned Jake to drive a an automatic stick. It was too uncomfortable. Did you learn this? I feel Once like the ex girlfriend. So it's kind I of feel a like raw a partial you know? man. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't learn it, it's so hard. and since I didn't get the kind of feedback loop, the po- positivity of it, frustrated. I I didn't do it. I became no. frustrated. So human beings do not. Deliberate and then they do. Uh, We have well patterned loves liturgies that lead to habits that inform 95% of what we do daily. So think about discipleship in the church. If people were simply brains on a stick, then all we would care about would be content generation. We'd think, and sometimes we actually think this in the church, if only we fill people's minds with great content, then everything else will fall into place. Newsflash. Leader, this is what the church has done for generations, especially since the Enlightenment, and we've struggled to see substantial life change. Why? <laughs> we've content-programmed everything and forgotten the human element of mentors who lovingly challenge our liturg- liturgies and offer us better ones. Isn't that powerful? We've missed, in essence, often, disciple if it's just about program, step one, step two, step three, rather than life on life, uh, we are missing the fact that we're holistic beings and a lot of what we do is unconscious or subconscious. Want to speak to that at all, brother? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Who are you inviting into your world to keep you accountable to kind of point out those liturgies? I was talking to Nicolette, my wife the other day, and she had a wonderful, um, Bible study time with, uh, uh Rachel, our intern, uh, deaconess and learned a lot about the, some theology stuff. And then, um, They were talking about sin, you know, and how it's hard. Like, do you point out people's sin? And and a lot of the women are like, I would never go to my even closest friend and say, hey, you've done this wrong thing. We need to talk about this. And I was like, dude, guys, we do this all the time. We just say, hey. You know, what's up with that, you know, and point it out, and then maybe we hit each other around verbally or physically, and then we have a beer (laughs) together. And so just acknowledging some differences between men men and Um, women, but yet the Bible calls us to, you know, invite people in. It all starts with you inviting them in. Tim, you can hold me accountable to anything in my life. And so me saying that to him and him to me, we've opened up this door that has rights into our life. And so make that... As we say that, make sure you actually go to someone and say that to them. I want you to point
1: out things in my life you might see because I trust you.
0: I give and you got permission. Be able to trust them. Give them permission. I give
1: you permission yeah. to to speak into my life. How infrequently? Our, oh man, our conversations are so stinking surface from level. The, from the t- and from the top of our nation, I mean, who who in the topest
0: offices of our nation also have that? Yeah, if we all had this accountability, say, man, my, advisors, my stuff stinks. So yeah i certainly i, need, does. I
1: need. Uh, we need help and in the early church this is what they set up this was the rhythm of having church fathers who helped establish spiritual liturgies for their their followers these healthy spiritual disciplines needed to become habits and this take took time uh, this required mentoring and letting other people into your world uh, to challenge and here's a beautiful thing they actually set a rhythm this is spiritual fathers, monastic fathers um, of deep prayer. We've been talking about this a lot lately, Jake, of silence, recognizing the hours of the day set aside for prayer and God's word. Wouldn't it be cool if the 21st century church was a place... And you can still be very Protestant, evangelical, and still go back. This isn't Catholic. I guess it is, in a sense, right? It's universal. We need time set apart uh, to, to encounter God in his word, in prayer. So imagine if the church, God's people, uh, started to become this disciplined, uh, liturgied way. Uh, this is the way we led throughout all of our days. So tip number two for reading worldly liturgies is realizing that love is like our second nature, and that love can be pointed toward the things of God. And if it's not, hopefully we got a mentor that repositions it back to the, the way of Jesus.
0: This is so good. Tip number three for overcoming the liturgies of this world. Ask Jesus for help to develop your adaptive unconscious. If you're following along in the you could check check out in the book, page 33, 34. There's only five percent of what we daily do is based on conscious, deliberate choice. That's crazy. Five percent. is not. So the rest of our behaviors, the 95% are below the surface. Wow, that's crazy. Governed by all sorts of learned, yet now unconscious ways of intending and navigating the world. You're out there making decisions, and you're like, I'm, I'm ordering my day. Right. 95% of what you're doing is just habitual liturgies. Our goal is to establish our adaptive unconscious. This leads to? <laughs> automaticities. Automaticities. I was thinking, <laughs> how do you really say this? Automaticities. I just You just make it up. When those hard are words our, are in the Bible, just you, just, you just say it confidently. Yeah. <laughs> what are our born with automaticities yeah. what is automatic is what it's saying yeah. in us what's automatic Well, sin, send selfishness you know that self-preservation hardness of heart we could go on i don't have to train my chi- uh, children to be selfish mean, they just they just are and i was too and uh-huh. i sometimes am um, this is automatically hardwired into us and into them into the world through sin these things must be unlearned um uh, uncreated in us, replaced with characteristics of a new way, reorientated toward the center of the life and characteristics and nature of Jesus Christ. I mean, why did Jesus come? Yes, to forgive, to give forgiveness through the cross and empty tomb. Amen. Yet he also came to show us what being fully human looks like. Isn't
1: that cool to think about, man?
0: I mean, Jesus cool had amazing goodness. rhythms. We know that you should know that to show us what sacrifice, service, silence, and retreat to the father looks like in Mark chapter one. Right out of the gate in Mark's gospel, he's going to retreat um, in silence to start the day. And the disciples are like, where? They wake up, you know, kind of communal uh, tenting, and they're like, where's this guy at? Oh, they had to go find him. He's with his father on a hillside. And and there he is. Jesus is our Savior, and the one who yearns to shape our adaptive unconscious, that 95%. Mm -hmm. By the power of his Holy Spirit li- lives in us. If good and solid character were hardwired into us, Paul would not have had to spend time so much talking and writing to the church, all the churches, but at Philippi in Philippians 4. I mean, they had to hit this home um, with the hammer on the on the nail. Finally, brothers, whatever is true. well, Shouldn't you just be focused on that? No, they weren't. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is anything, excellence, because we can focus on so many things, Mm. so many bad things, any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, duh, all of these are yes. Think about these things. Focus on gratitude. What you have learned and received and heard and seen and practiced, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you, man. Paul is striving to reorientate and um, have the adaptive unconscious of the disciple to be bent toward the love rather than hate. Peace over anxiety, hope over hopelessness and faith over fear. Start every day thinking about these words from Paul.
1: I love that phrase, adaptive unconscious. And the ultimate goal then, Jake, is to allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives day by day. Uh, tip number four for overcoming the liturgies of this world. Ask Jesus to restore you toward God's end. Think about your life. What is your End goal, your tell us, it's a Greek. What what is your end goal? Yeah, is it health? Is it wealth? Is it prosperity? Is it security? I think the main goal of life today, seen through our technology driven age, is ease, comfort. So anything that's that's making me uncomfortable so hard. is is to be repelled. This is not of God, and yet suffering. Romans 5, suffering produces perseverance, character, and and hope. So ask Jesus to restore you centered in his word. So what is God's end goal? And he chooses to use us in the achievement of this end goal. It's to return on the last day to make everything that is broken whole again. Think about why you go to church. Oh, this is going to be good. Why do you go to church? I go to get filled up, you know? I hope Jay, you better bring a good message this week because I'm dependent That's on. That's kind of average, man. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Maybe others, of you go to get God off your back or your spouse, right? And maybe you think, you know, I've heard this numerous times. Uh, we've been away from the church, but now we're thirty, early thirties. We had some kids, so it's it's good for the kids, huh. Why does Jesus want you to go to church? Here's the big why for Jesus. He yearns for you to be restored. You get to be re-centered out of your own selfish story that the world promotes, maybe it's a story of ease, comfort, and instead be re-centered in God's story of comfort found solely in Him and then a desire to be uncomfortable to bring the gospel to as many people as possible instead of being selfish to be selfless. So this is why the liturgy in the church, historic liturgy, we can trace this back to even the early church. They were starting to establish a rhythm to center them in God's story, centered in Jesus. Uh, So that is how the liturgy goes. So think about right up front. You enter in and you receive the invocation. It is... Uh, calling you to remember God's promise to you in the waters of baptism. You are my child. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, my name has been placed on you. That's a great way to start the story. So you're restored back to your baptism. And then you're restored in the confession and
0: absolution. The story goes that you're a sinner and you acknowledge that sin. And then your sinfulness is restored to the cross and empty tomb. And the restoring says in the
1: absolution, you are forgiven. That's mm. your story too. And then we are ready as a people of God to hear uh, God's uh, word. And it could be a word of love and comfort, or maybe it's a word of, of challenge and rebuke and correction, all centered in that one story. It's the greatest story of all time. We get to listen to the word, and then we move on forward. Yeah, we're restored by the readings, then restored by the prayers. You pause, hmm. you're
0: in silence, you think, you praise, and you ask Jesus for help, To not just keep you there but to have you go back
1: into your daily life to love and serve neighbor. And then the audacity of it all is that Jesus steps down into our space. Heaven touches earth in the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins in the Lord's Supper. So amazing. At the very beginning, we're centered in our baptismal promises. We're a sacramental community. And then toward the end, often in our in our worship time, we are sent out, forgiven as a people of God. And we close our time with? Yeah, as we've been restored, now we're going out with
0: the benediction to be blessed to restore other people's lives you go into the world as peaceful ambassadors of the triune god of what he's done is doing and will do that the Lord would bless you and keep you. The Lord make his mm-hmm. face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you that the Lord will look upon you with this favor and give you always and forever his peace. Now go,
1: you've been restored. So that's why you go to church. You come to be restored in that liturgy. And we literally call it as the church, a liturgy, which should then inform, should then inform our Monday through Saturday liturgies as well. Tip number five, Jake, I believe liturgy means confess. Mm-hmm. Like you're confessing, you know, you've, you've,
0: it's back and forth. God's Mm -hmm. confessing this to you and then you're confessing that to God. And so it's a beautiful- There's a back and forth response. Yes, yes, good. Tip number five, for overcoming the liturgies of this world. Last point, ask Jesus, as we've talked about a lot, ask Jesus to incorporate his liturgy in you daily, moment by moment. Couple suggestions, pray for greater self-awareness. Just stop there, right? Are, Are
1: we aware of our gaps? Yeah, who am I and- what am I not? Yeah. I thought I was that. Right. We need to spend more time on self self-awareness. And last week we talked about that an awful lot. If you haven't listened to change in conflict, go back and listen to episode number two on that change in conflict series, all about, all about self-awareness and conflict.
0: Ask Jesus to incorporate his liturgy in your life. And we recognize that you're a work in progress. Yeah. It's not going to all happen in one, one day, but find that accountability partner and start with analyzing the liturgies that start and end your day and and think about what you've been thinking about throughout the day and how God can restore them. And then look at the world through the lenses of liturgy and see where are these different false liturgies that the world, uh, your flesh, your sin, and, um, even the devil are throwing at you. Um, cause they are having, um, Rival liturgies Mm -hmm. throwing at you and then continue to end your day with gratitude. Ask God to restore your
1: life. That's great. You know, after you listen to a, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 minute podcast, I'm sure you're consuming some other good podcasts. I think it's always a good exercise to say, what is the one thing? What is the one thing? So I'll give you just a second to pause and reflect on your one thing. Sit in silence and ask Jesus to give you your one, your one thing.
0: I can't take it. I can't take it. Too we're much silence.
1: Here. We're still here. Are you there? Yeah. Yeah, we're here. So my one thing was uh, to be recentered in God's story moment by moment while recognizing, to be as innocent as doves and wise as serpents, right? While recognizing the rival liturgies in our world. What's your one thing? Rival stories. Ignatius in the 1600s did this examine,
0: and he just said that, you know, for his monks that he was leading... At the end of the day, you should um, examine your life and examine your thoughts at night. And so I tried to pick that up about four weeks ago, and it's not a habit. And so I'm just recognizing... It's good in the beginning of the day, but I just gotta I get ready, go to bed. You know, I don't really think about and process mm-hmm. the day, and so I need to restory myself at night to God's word. Oh yeah, and it can just be laying in bed thinking about the day, confessing your sins, and being grateful for where God was present. And um, EQ wise, uh, emotional intelligence, recognizing where your emotions were off that day, yeah. and asking God to bring you the right um, posture toward the next day and then go to bed and and sleep in peace.
1: That's so good. And I'm right there with you. You can hold me accountable about my evening liturgies. Uh, We're going to start tonight. (laughs) Tonight's the night. night. Actually, as we're recording this, this is Ash Wednesday, and uh, it's an opportunity to both put some things away and to uh, this is what we're going to put away is we're going to put out uh, the phones from our bedroom. You know, I can find another way to wake up in the morning, even though I love that uh, delightful you have alarm, alarm clock <laughs> that but you couldn't interact it's with. It's so nasty, that noise, you know what I'm saying? Uh, to wake up to that. That's the point. So Get it, out of your anyway, bedroom. I want to be woken up gently. Regardless, regardless of all of that, I'm going to take the phone up and out of the room mm, to spend one. that time reflecting on on where Jesus was in my day and where I kind of got in the way of God's story all around me. What a joy to have you on Lead Time. If you like what you hear, please share it. Sharing is caring, Jake. Sharing is caring. Also, please write us a review on our listening platform, the listening platform of your choice. This helps get the word out regarding what God is doing through lead time. We believe in the spirit of Jesus that lives within you. You have way more potential than you could possibly ever imagine. Dream big dreams. Dream them with your team and see uh, your vision expand as you day by day execute and reorient reoriented into an awesome story, God's story, that he's included us all in. Next time, we'll be chatting with Brian Smith. You'll be in for a treat. Brian is a pastor who leads one of the largest campus ministries at our own Arizona State University. Go Sun Devils. That always sounds weird to say, go Devils. Anyway, Arizona State (laughs) University. We'll talk to him about what it looks like to disciple Generation Z. Come back. Thanks for joining us on Lead Time. Peace.
0: You have been listening to Lead Time with Tim and Jake. Please subscribe at cglchurch.org/leadtime. Thanks for listening. Tune in next Monday for another episode.